I've run global businesses, so how hard can it be to just write a book? I still don't really understand how I do it. Okay, well, uh, I guess I'll start. My name is Shaz Khan. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And what I actually have found through this whole process is that writing is, is probably the most difficult job I've done. Not only can you, but you should start late. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Bestseller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Chapter 3, Deal or No Deal. This question, deal or no deal, has been around a lot longer than 2005 and or Howie Mandel, at least when it comes to publishing a book. That is, do you go the twilight route of sending query letters to agents so they can try to get a trade publishing house to sign you to a book deal and distribute your novel for you, or do you go the Fifty Shades of Grey route? Skip all of that and simply distribute the novel yourself. Aspiring authors have been asking themselves this question since maybe 1941 when the Vanity Press was first popularized, or perhaps since 1843 when Charles Dickens self-published A Christmas Carol, or maybe even before that when people were simply handing out notes that they'd written on the streets, but it was in 1939 that another slightly less popular self-published book was released, titled Gadsby, and not to be confused with the traditionally published title that you are almost certainly confusing it with, the novel by Ernest Vincent Wright stands out even today in literary circles because of the simple fact that it was written as a lipogram. That is, in 50,000 words, the letter E does not appear once. In this podcast, we talk a lot about the story that the vast majority of people have inside of them and want to one day write down. Some of these stories are guaranteed slam dunks simply waiting to be told. Uh, a vampire is attracted to a human girl and to her blood or a scraggly-haired boy with glasses doesn't yet know that he's a wizard. These ideas were destined to be bestsellers the moment they were conceived. But then some of those stories, like Gadsby, are about a 50-year-old man rallying the youth in his small hometown to incrementally raise its population, told by a self-deprecating narrator who constantly reminds the reader that he is, quote, voluntarily avoiding words containing that symbol which is by far of most common inclusion in writing our Anglo-Saxon as it is today. In other words, some of those stories are not guaranteed slam dunks. In 1939, Gatsby didn't stand a chance at being picked up by a trade house and published in the old-fashioned way. And let's be honest, in almost 80 years, that hasn't changed. So Wright had a choice, either try to make his story more commercially viable, or find another way to get it out there exactly as he'd imagined it. Which brings us back to Shaz's story. As I was talking with these agents and they were saying, you know, I'd be interested in working with you, but you have to make these changes. I, I started to actually despair a little bit because I just thought, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring my story to market in the way that I want to with the, the original ideas intact. But let's not skip ahead. Why don't you talk to me a bit about what the, the steps you took to publish this book were? My 
path to publishing was kind of interesting and also a little bit convoluted. So I actually, once I had my book edited, I, I decided to follow the route of traditional publishing by starting by finding a literary agent. Last week, we covered how writing a book, or the first draft at least, is usually a very solitary process, but once in the editing phase, it actually becomes quite collaborative. When entertaining the traditional publishing approach, this trend of collaboration only grows. I was talking with these agents, and they were saying, you know, I'd be interested in working with you. To get a book deal, you need an agent. And to get an agent, you need a query letter or a one-page brief that essentially sells your story to them, complete with a hook, a synopsis, and a list of credentials. It's sort of like an elevator pitch, only there are a lot more literary agents in the world than there are studios in Hollywood. I sent my I sent query letters out to, I think, about 20 or so um, agents, and then half of them asked to read my manuscript, which I was told was quite high. Then you need to make sure you found the right agent. I had some people say, oh, you know, you should talk to this person, and then, you know, I talked to the person, they say, I only do cookbooks. So, <laughs> you, know, you have to make sure you research the right literary agent for your uh, genre of writing. Then you send them your query letter, and if they're interested, your manuscript. And suddenly, this treasured piece of you that you've spent years perfecting is in the hands of ten strangers across the world. And the feedback starts to roll in. I got a lot of great feedback on the novel, I got some negative feedback, and I also got some strange feedback, uh, so... If you're lucky, by this point, one of them will have the right connection to your story and the right connections within the industry, and they'll sell your story to a publisher. So then one agent was really interested, and um, they said that they um, could, you know, they had a publisher who was interested and could fast-track it and get it out to the market in two to three years. And then, voila, you're published. Easy, right? Well, not exactly. I mean, for one thing... And uh, I was like, you know, newsflash, you know, two to three years is not fast. But moreover, the traditional publishing route, for Shaz at least, raised an important question. When it comes to writing a book, is there such a thing as too much collaboration? On the journey from first to final draft, Shaz found that the supportive voice of her second editor, and even the overly critical voice from her failed first attempt were quite invaluable in sharpening her raw story into a novel manuscript. But then came the third voice. Uh, one asked me to make it more of a romance, and they said, you know, they could easily sell it if I made it more of a romance. And the fourth voice. And uh, one asked me to make the character more obsessed with shoes, and I was like, well, she works for a sports company, so she's usually wearing sneakers. And the fifth. One um, literary agent said, I, I love this story, um, but can you change the protagonist to a man instead of a woman? And at a certain point, they crossed the line from being helpful to, well, being unhelpful. And I was like, did you read the book? Or, you know, being actively opposed to the whole entire point of telling your story in the first place. I have read so many books where there's somebody obsessed with shoes or somebody is, you know, obsessed with getting married. And, you know, I, my whole intent was to give something fresh to the readers and something that had not been written before. And, you know, I had had known so many 
female leaders who are positive and inspiring and smart and strong. And I wasn't reading any books with characters like that. And I didn't want to write uh, another book that, you know, has already been written. If you've ever been in a group project or a group of coworkers or a group chat or really any group setting ever, you probably know how hard it is to get groups of people on the same page. Because the flip side of everyone having a unique story inside them is that everyone has unique everything. Thoughts, values, certainly tastes in literature. Some people said, you know, I don't think women are interested in reading about strong women. I don't think women are interested in reading about female leaders in the business world. And they're not interested in stories about women helping other women. So I was like, mm, I disagree. This story that Shaz wanted to tell. You know, stories about smart women succeeding, you know, with integrity. It wasn't everyone that was going to make everyone happy. Its literal subject is division, a divisive, timely topic. Given the whole, you know, the, uh, the whole Me Too movement, it's, it's, it just shows that there is very, you know, an appetite is very timely. And, and a woman crossing that divide, the divided standards of her career and of a divided culture. I think I've done this, you know, in my career. I think the character in the book did this also. I mean, if you want to make something happen, if you have a goal, you've just got to figure out how to make it happen. You have to persevere. And, uh, you know, I think for writers, you put so much energy and effort into creating something. And I think, you know, for me, I just, uh, I felt like I wanted to have control over my book finally, and I wanted to get it out there in the way that I envisioned. The differences between people are just as human as the shared ideas that bring them together. After all, the novel, not the closer, like the literal novel as a form of writing, rose to popularity because for the first time, people could literally see a different perspective on a page of paper. Going the traditional publishing route gives you a level of access that self-publishing simply does not. You sign on with a big publishing house and suddenly dozens of doors fly open. And behind all of them are people willing to read your book. And comment on it. And criticize it. And tell you what would work better after the pinch point in chapter 3. And eventually reshape it into something that looks very similar to some other book that sold a lot last year. Literary agents are known for like kind of a certain type of book or a certain category of book and that's what they're used to selling and it's easy for them to sell a new book that's in the same category so i think that's why you see so many books out there that are really similar because after all just like sportswear publishing is an industry i also learned how just convoluted and inefficient the traditional publishing process was. You know, um, I mentioned the agent had said that a publisher could fast track my novel in two to three years. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I don't want to wait three years to get my book out there. And industries are something that Shaz knows very well. One of the things that just shocked me being in business myself was that there was a total lack of of consumer focus in the in the process. I don't think that's the best way to bring um, you know fresh material to audiences. So deal or no deal? The answer isn't black or white. If you're lucky enough to land a book deal, you'll have a whole company of professionals working on your book, but the keywords there are working and company. And at the end of the day, publishers do need to sell books. And the best way to do this is simply to have the best people take a look at it, find any flaws, and polish them away until it fits into a neatly marketed package. But there's a fine line between flawed and unique. 
And with too many voices, the story might get lost. As I was talking with these agents and they were saying, you know, I'd be interested in working with you, but you have to make these changes. I, I started to actually despair a little bit because I just thought, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring my story to market in the way that I want to with the, the original ideas intact. So that's when I kind of uh, got, got onto the path of self-publishing. Shaz was new to the intricacies of the publishing industry. And actually one person early another author had said, oh, you know, you, you should think about self-publishing. And I was like, I don't really know what that is. But given her unique perspective... So I was attending a CEO conference uh, that was hosted by a venture capital firm. It's no surprise she took to it pretty quickly. I happened to notice that on the attendee list was the CEO of a publishing firm. So I, you know, kind of sought him out and I invited him to have coffee with me during a break. And, you know, he graciously agreed. And I explained my predicament. I said, I've written this book. I think it's really fresh and different. Um, here's what the, you know, the story is basically. I said, I've, you know, I've sent my, my, uh, query letters to literary agents. And then I said, you know, but they're asking me to make all these changes. And, um, it was very interesting because he said he was an author himself. And when he wrote his book, he went through the traditional publishing process and he had, uh, I guess the top literary agent in the business and the top publishing house. And he said it was a complete disaster. You know, they didn't know how to market the book and, you know, and it just wasn't, wasn't a success. So he said, you know, you should just self-publish or independently publish. And he recommended that I check out this marketplace for authors called Readsy. Throughout her career, Shaz was never one for the easy way out. I think some lessons my father taught me were that if you work hard, you can achieve anything. So it's no surprise either then that when too much help proved unhelpful, Shaz simply said, forget it, I'll do it myself. So the CEO was saying, also, you know, with your marketing background, um, you know, you could probably do a better job marketing your book on your own So than a publishing house. So he said, you know, also, unless you're one of the top 10 authors, you know, in the country, you pretty much get no marketing support so from a traditional publisher. So he, he said, you know, you should just do it all yourself. And, you know, and there are a lot of very successful um, self-published authors. People are starting to notice a change in the industry. I read the statistics about the number of people um, going the self-publishing route, and I was surprised at uh, the shift that seemed to be happening in the industry. I had also read of some pretty well-known, traditionally published authors who decided to self-publish after they had, you know, their traditional publishing experience. So I felt like there was, you know, a kind of a tide turning and people were being more open to it. And all Fifty Shades of Grey jokes aside, for the first time ever, self-publishing has become a viable way for thousands of authors to make a living. But just because it's popular doesn't mean it's easy. The trade-off for getting your novel out of the publishing house workplace is that you've got to do all that work that the publishing house would usually do yourself. Which means, first, well, let me just let Shaz tell it. What is, it's not like you just, you know, type out your book and upload it to Amazon. What was like the process actually like there? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There are a lot of components to it. Uh, so once you start to decide, to, once you decide that you're going to self-publish, you have to have a number of um, elements lined up to kind of get the process going. So number one, you have to have an edited manuscript. So I signed up for CreateSpace. You have to create an account on CreateSpace, and then you can. That's for paperback. 
And then uh, for um, ebooks, I signed up for uh, KDP or Kindle Direct Publishing. Note as of today, KDP and CreateSpace are now one and the same. And that's for ebooks. So you upload your files, uh, which are your manuscript and your book cover files. And there's some requirements for uh, you know, how the files need to be formatted. Um, and then they allow you to actually order um, a paperback proof. Uh, you can actually, you can do an uh, electronic proof, which I did anyway, but then I also ordered the paperback proof because I think you really need to actually see what the book will look like in its physical form uh, when it's printed. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that the margins were correct and everything. So, um, and I remember when I got my, my proof, it was just so tremendously exciting because, you know, then you have your book, your physical book in your hand for the first time and just feeling the weight of my book in my hands was just... You know, it just was such a, a great feeling. I felt like such a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> and that's it. Well, that's the simple version, at least. Of course, you can always do it a little bit bigger. Um, you also have to have the interior of the book designed. Uh, another component that you need is an imprint. So if you're self-publishing or independently publishing, you have to create an imprint or what you're calling your publishing entity. So I called mine O-L-O-M Press or Olam Press um, because one of my father's favorite um, sayings in Japanese translates to one life, one moment. That means you know you only have one life, you know, each moment is precious. And so, um, so that's where I got the O-L-O-M, One Life, One Moment Press, and that honors my late father. Um, and then I had a designer design a cherry blossom logo um, for the imprint. And you also have to make sure that the logo you design works horizontally, because when it's printed on a book spine, it needs to you know, be legible and, and look good. Um, so as part of creating the imprint, I also had to register uh, that um, entity as a DBA doing business as. So you have to register it with the government as a business, which is another process. It's, you can just do it online, but it is a process to do that. Uh, you also have another component, which is copyright protection. So you have to file for copyright for your book and uh, you have to fill out a form and send copies to the Library of Congress. That's also something that you can do online, getting the forms and everything, but you do have to send uh, a paperback version of the book in so you can get copyright protection. Uh, and then another thing you also need before that is actually ISBN numbers. Um, and those are the you know barcodes that are on the back of the books. Um, and I recommend registering for a bunch of um, ISBN numbers at a time so you don't have to go through this process multiple times. And it's actually cheaper to get um, a few at once. So I used um, a, a service called Bowker for this. And I think I got like, I think I got like 10 ISBN numbers. If that all sounds like a lot, have no fear. According to Shaz, it's worth it in the most literal of senses. Through Amazon, you get around 70% of the profits on all ebooks, as opposed to around 25% from traditional publishing houses. And on paperbacks, after costs, you'll take home about 50% of the profits. For trade publishers, that number is closer to 7%. So, once all is said and done, you get the money that the publishing house would usually get, too. And it all feels a lot better. Also, from an economic point of view, self-publishing is much more uh, positive for the author. And um, I think that the thing that really appealed to me also was control. You have control over your end product. So the three most important things um, were fulfilled by self-publishing, better control over my product, uh, faster process, and also more lucrative for the author. 
Shaz's life story is one of a woman doing things that others told her she couldn't, so it's only fitting that she wrote a book about a woman doing just that, took it to the others, they told her she couldn't, and... I did all of that myself. When we got to talking about the publishing process, Shaz's advice became more adamant. So I think, you know, if you're, you know, if you're kind of a scrappy person and you don't mind doing these things yourself, you know, self-publishing is definitely the way to go. The other thing, I mean, I mentioned before, I think control, speed, and financial benefits are are superior with self-publishing. I would say in terms of the distribution, though, like if you want your books sold through traditional bookstores, the, the traditional publishing process has a stronger distribution network. But uh, one thing to note about the whole bookstore um, distribution process is that they have up to nine months to return your books to the publisher. And the return rate is typically 30 to 50%, which I I, I mean, I think that's incredibly inefficient. So I've seen many bookstores where there's, you know, like 50 books that are ordered and, you know, and they probably are returning a lot of those. And I was like, why aren't they just, why don't they just order 20 books, let them sell out when they get down to like three books left to order another 20. Um, so instead of that, they're ordering like tons and tons of books and, and returning them. So it's just so much waste in the whole system. And it just seems very antiquated and, um, and very inefficient to me. Um, and, you know, selling your book on Amazon, you, you don't get any returns. So that's great. Do you really feel then that the tide is moving in the right direction as it kind of pushes towards self-publishing away from traditional publishing? I think so. You know, it's interesting because I, as I talk to younger readers, um, I, I, I was surprised to learn that, you know, a lot of them are consuming audiobooks more than, you know, paperback. Um, a lot of them are consuming ebooks more than paperback. So I think this whole process of how books are you know, are created, printed up, distributed, returned, you know, it's very, a very wasteful and inefficient process. And I do think that that whole process is going to be, you know, it's going to be going away soon. Even if she considered going the traditional publishing route to be a mistake, it was one she evidently learned a lot from. The process of writing a book is hard enough, and then going through the editing process is also very painful, as I mentioned. And then, you know, publishing also can be a a challenge as well. So uh, I think, you know, it's something that you cannot do is you cannot give up. I mean, if you really believe in something, you believe in what you wrote, you just have to figure out a way to make it happen. And, you know, just don't stop until you get it out there. Um, And don't let somebody else make random changes to your manuscript that you don't agree with. Um, You know, and don't listen to people who say your topic is is not something of interest if you really believe there's an audience for it and you know i didn't listen when people said you know people don't want to read about strong women because they were just wrong and it wasn't all sunshine and roses for shaz from here on out but it did get a lot better after all remember everyone needs division and commonalities every story needs conflict and resolution and the midpoint of a story is almost always a turning point I mean, I did use Readsy for the editors. I used the copy copy editor from Readsy, and I used my book cover designer and interior designer from Readsy, and, you know, he was phenomenal. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Next up is Chapter 4, the design stage.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, a review, a subscription, or all of the above on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you are in that 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts protection and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelance editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com slash loves slash podcast to get $25 credit when you sign up and set a contract. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com slash L-O-V-E-S slash podcast to get $25 off your first collaboration today. Offer valid through January 2019.